Good morning. It's so good to be back with you, worshiping you again after I've been gone these last two Sundays. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and risk being a church geek and wish everyone a happy new year. Yes, today is the first Sunday of Advent, the beginning of the church year. There are so many changes in this new year. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I didn't get a laugh at 8 o'clock either, so you're all right. <laughs> anyway, all these changes, it gives us a chance to make changes to our liturgy as well, a chance to enhance our worship. I love our Advent blue, the Advent wreath, the greening, the flowers. It's all just so beautiful. And the music of Advent. And at St. Stephen's this year, what a treat to have the music from Iona. Just lovely, and it really brings us into this new season. Advent is a short season, a short four Sundays in which we wait and prepare. And so today, on this first Sunday in our new year, in our new season, on our first Sunday in Advent, we begin our expectant waiting and preparation. Waiting and preparation for what has come and what is to come. Advent is a time to draw near to God, a time to be restored, a restoration of hope. When I think of Advent, I think of quiet, quiet expectation, quiet waiting, quiet longing, quiet hoping. Waiting, watching, longing, hoping, all done very introspectively, very quietly. Like Lent, Advent can be a time of dedicated intentional prayer. And I want to invite us into Holy Advent and into an Advent season of prayer. But I also want to break from how we usually see our prayer lives this season, like the prayer life I just described. I want our prayer lives this Advent not to be only quiet waiting and longing and hoping, but more than that. I want to challenge our prayer lives a bit. I want us to be strong in our prayer. I want us to be bold in our prayer. I want us to be faithful in our prayer. To challenge us in this way, I want to bring us into the depths of the psalm that we have appointed for today. Because today's psalm is anything but quiet. And this, I think, will challenge us. And yet, while it is quite noisy, we can still feel the internal soul's longing, longing of a people's desire for God, a desire to be restored with God. So I invite you to pull out your Book of Common Prayer and turn to page 702, 702. And we're going to dig into this psalm just a bit. It's Psalm 80. I want us to look at this entire psalm as prayer. And if we don't know how to pray, the psalms are a good place to turn. In fact, I believe the psalms teach us how to pray. They can be so powerful for us. They show us the full range of human emotion. 
and they give us a vocabulary to express that full range of emotion. Just look at the different types of prayer we have in this one psalm. The psalm is lament, which is a grief-stricken wailing. The psalm is memory, memory of God's past saving action in their lives. The psalm is petition, commanding God to restore. And the psalm is vow, the promise of fidelity and faithfulness. All these things are prayer, real prayer, lyrical gut-wrenching with trust and lament and deep promise, all pouring in a flood from the heart of the believer, directly and openly with God. God does not want a veneer relationship with us. God wants the real us. If we don't know how to be real with God, just turn to the Psalms. They are and they know how. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, the Psalms are the prayer book of the Bible. And in all these ways of praying, lament, petition, vow, we get a deep sense of the community's longing for God. They long for a glimpse of God, a sign of his presence, the strength and security that he alone can provide. Restore us, O God of hosts. Show the light of your countenance, and we shall be saved. Look at the strength of these images. The immediate context for the psalmist was that Israel had been ravaged by a foreign power. They were lamenting over the destruction of Judah. And they again were dispossessed. They have been in exile. They cannot bear the separation from God. And it would be right for the psalm to be a psalm of despair in which people cry out to God as if there were no hope for them. However, we do not see despair. We see strength. The congregation of the psalmist is strong. We see strength gathered in their memory, their corporate memory. They call directly to God and in doing so, they remind themselves of the God they knew and experienced. The God they knew who was with them. The God that promised that he would be with them. In this memory of God is trust. Trust that they, although feeling separated, that they will put their trust in God again for the restoration. Hear, O shepherd of Israel, leading Joseph like a flock. They know the strength of God as deliverer. They know the hope of God. Restore us, O God of hosts. Show the light of your countenance, and we shall be saved. Saved from the bondage in Egypt. God leading Joseph like a flock out of Egypt. Joseph, whose brothers sold him into slavery in Egypt. Joseph, who led the dispossessed in Egypt. Saved from starving in the desert, God providing sufficient food for them each day. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Saved from stronger nations, God stirring up their strength. Saved from the desert, God delivering into the promised land. 
They recall their salvation history. It is their strength and hope in their call to God. We too can be strong in our prayer, calling out directly to God, asking God for his presence. And in doing so, recalling the times in our own lives that God has been with us, an assurance that God will be with us. That is our trust, just as the psalmist is their trust. Our trust is in God. Restore us, O God. Restore us from our desperation, our desperation caused by our separation from you. Strong, to be sure. And bold, the boldness of this psalm, such boldness. We hear the community appealing directly to God, and they are bold in the imperative. It's almost as if they are commanding God. Hear, shine forth, stir up, come, restore. All imperatives, all commands for God to act. This is bold. This is not a God that has been talked about in front of God as if he's not there. God is right there. The psalmist doesn't use the pronoun he, she, it. This is not a third person. This is a personal direct with God. The psalmist knows this and knows the intimacy of God. God being spoken directly to you personal, intimate. They are bold when they cry. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angered despite the prayers of your people? They accuse God of raging anger. To the congregation of the psalmist, God has been terrifying, cruelly enraged, brutally punitive, and it has wounded God's people, and they cry out to him. They accuse God of rejecting their prayers and asking how long, how long will you be angered at us? They are directly confronting God in this lament. And their complaint continues, conveying grief and suffering through the metaphor of drink and food consisting in tears. If you look at verse five, you have fed them with the bread of tears You have given them bowls of tears to drink. Many of us, too, have known these feelings. We have drunk the tears of sorrow, felt the pain of defeat, and the sting of bitterness. We have experienced times when our faith wanes and when it is hard to find God in our hurt and pain. Restore us, O God of hosts. Such boldness, and the boldness continues with the psalmist's petitions. Come help us. This is such an open and innocent plea. Raw. Come help us. There is no tiptoeing around. There is no masking what they are asking. It is not hidden. And the petition, restore us, 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 restore us, turn us back to you. 
they didn't ask God to make things better. They asked God to make them better. Restore us. Not restore our things, but help us turn to you. Not to have our backs to you. Turn us around and find us in all that life, all of our messy lives, all that it can bring us. Here we get the feeling that they have been recalling the message of the prophets, the prophets who warned the people of Israel, warned and warned and warned, and yet they did not heed. And now their petition to be restored, to turn to God for the gift of life. And the psalmist continues to drive home that petition, the request of salvation, invoking over and over again. Restore us, O God of hosts. Show the light of your countenance, and we shall be saved. Strong, bold, yes, yet faithful. Vow is at the heart of their worship. If you look at verse 17, and so we will never turn away from you. Give us life that we may call upon your name. This verse 17 promises fidelity and faithfulness in return for the gift of life. Strong, bold, faithful. The season of Advent is marked by anticipation, which presupposes that longing that I've talked about. This psalm gives expression to the longing of an ancient people for God. They're longing for God. Let us follow their lead. Let us be strong in our lament to God. And let us find strength in our memory of what God has done for us in our lives. Let us be bold in our petition. Petition that is imperative and directed with intimacy. And let us always be faithful. Faithful in our vow to God. Let our prayer for this season be, Restore us, O God. We will encounter these same words in the psalm for Advent 2 and the psalm appointed for Advent 3, our next two Sundays. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Help us turn to you. Don't make things better. Make us better. Come to us. Come to us as you did in the flesh in Bethlehem. Come to us as you do daily in our hearts. Come to us in our longing to be with you in the glory at the end of time. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of Man appear. With expected waiting and hope, Amen.